Hello and welcome to Sermons from First Press, a weekly podcast from the First Presbyterian Church of Ann Arbor, Michigan. This is what happened after the first Easter. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands, the print of his nails, and place my finger in the mark of the nails, and place my hand in his side, I will not believe. Eight days later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. The doors were shut, but Jesus stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not be faithless, but believing. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Reading from Acts and 1 John. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. We declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our own eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. This life was revealed, and we have seen it and testify to it and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. 
we declare to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in God there is no darkness at all. This This is the word of the Lord. There was this wild idea that started at the beginning of time when the Holy Spirit breathed across the mess that would be the world we know, a thought that we might live in community, dance with the deer in the garden and squirm with the snakes. God had an idea that we foolish humans could work together to keep things decent and in order to create what would bring God deep joy. As you know, we have a long history of messing that up, seeking our own glory and honor, making rules from our own pretentious ideas of how the world should be. We have a holy book that tells us of the times that we have messed up again and again, and God brought us back to life every time. Renewed, restored, washed away, loved back into the possibility of being the beloved community of God. And in that book grew the promise from the voices of the prophets that God would show us the way. A scrawny poor child from Bethlehem, from the root of Jesse, would show us the way through the proclaiming of the kingdom of God the holy community to which we have been called from the beginning of time to bring a smile to God's face and sing glory to God's name. So Jesus did that the way that God would know how. Call down tax collectors from treetops for dinner. Draw lines in the sand when we were ready to crucify all that was unholy. Call out and call up all people and nations to fulfill the promise of the greatest idea to live in community together, to regenerate and revive, to realize the kingdom of God. And as the story goes, you might think that we failed God again, generating the kingdom of God, betraying and denying and running scared, as the very God we knew so intimately hung on a cross like a criminal. But when Jesus rose, the story goes he arrived to something beautiful. In the gathering of a timid community in an upper room, sharing that meal that Jesus had shared with them the last time he was really with them. And we were finally on to something. The disciples were finally on to something. You see, 
One meal, one Easter Sunday, one holy gathering was not enough. Jesus built a craving within our beings that we simply could not be without. A gathering to proclaim that death simply could not steal the joy that we had found in Jesus. The way we were meant to live, to gather, and to proclaim kingdom come. And in the resurrection of Christ, we were born again into the church. The most holy relationship we can know and participate in. A glorious gathering of misfits and martyrs, sinners and saints who have seen what is so good about singing to God together who have known Christ's work in the world and get so passionate that they need to talk about it, tell about it, sing about it, shout about it. So they gathered the disciples every week, which became the day of the sun. They shared what they had with those who were in need. They testified to the resurrection of the world and to the most beautiful possibility of what is to come. The kingdom of God by the grace and glory of the risen Christ. And they grew into what we know is the church. What we are, the church. Who we are, the church. The bride of Christ and the beloved of God. The church. The gathered community living and working and loving in ways that stretch us and free us convict us and correct us, inspire us and ignite us with such a passion that we just cannot keep it within these walls. The church, a body of believers in the risen Christ committed to the work of proclaiming the good news, sharing life together, breaking bread together, asking hard questions and believing for one another when we seem to have lost our faith. Striving forward because Christ has called us into being the bearers of the kingdom of God into the world. So tell me something. When was it that we started thinking that the church had more to do with us and less to do with God? Perhaps it dates back to Paul's punchy lines about telling uneducated believers to keep their mouths shut when they don't know what they're talking about. Or maybe when we took issue with the Catholic Church and started to fight with them instead of simply know that all are welcome at the table. Or maybe... It was when we as the Reformed Church got too haughty and decided to claim ourselves holier than others and started tearing at the body of Christ, breaking down the church based on race and promoted slavery, based on gender and deemed women subordinate, based on sex and stereotype and barred ourselves from supporting all loving relationships because they are all so hard. I have to tell you that these days I get worried. I am worried that we have gotten wrapped up and roped off from people and issues that make us uncomfortable. So much so that we 
forgot why we began this journey in the first place. Why we started meeting on the day of the rising sun, S-U-N, to proclaim the rising of the sun, S-O-N. So, we've started to make faith so personal, it begins to be about me instead about us. All of us by the grace of God. We make faith so private that we cordon ourselves into private pews that that we might not let anyone see our full selves or our full faith or our lack thereof. I worry that we only come for comfort or because we've been doing this for so long we don't know what else to do on a Sunday morning. We sit in these pews expecting not to be rocked to our cores. To realize again that Christ is resurrected. So we might resuscitate our tired bodies and remember we were built to blare out the good news because we together are the bride of Christ. The holy body that is suited for saving each and every day. For the love of the living Christ, who overcame death and who we rejoice in today, I need you to prove to me that we have not deluded the church into a social club that allows us to come and sit comfortably in the pew of your choice without doing the messy work of touching each other, meeting each other where we are, and as all that we are. Embarking on relationships, holy relationships, to begin the work of being the community, the kingdom of God, and sticking it out when it gets hard. (laughs) Because let me tell you, it gets hard. Most of you know it. Life is hard. The church is harder. Because we are beautiful fearfully and wonderfully molded by God, who at the beginning of the world had this ridiculous and beautiful idea that we were meant to live in community, beloved community. That doesn't mean that we would never hurt each other, say things that would offend and upend, break and tear down. But the promise of Christ is the covenant that Jesus made all the way to the cross, that God would never abandon the church, the builders of the kingdom of God. So for the love of God, let us prove to Christ, the bridegroom of our very being, that we have not forgotten, that we are here to be rattled and rocked, broken open and poured out, Because when I say Christ is risen, you know to respond, Christ is risen indeed. It is in our bones. Let it resurrect us. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. That is the good news. That we are built to blare and share and sing and proclaim to one another and in the fullness of who we are. And by the faith we proclaim. It started at this table. The night that Jesus was betrayed, he taught us how to be the church. 
to tear the bread, and to recognize how we have torn at the body of Christ and be compelled to make it right. He taught us how to be the church, to partake in the cup and recognize how Christ is poured into us by the power of the Holy Spirit and be compelled to proclaim the good news. It started at this table with Christ as the foundation for the life and witness of the church in the world, God's kingdom. And come hell or high water, we are in it together, so we better start acting like it. Because you see, in the beginning was the church. This wild idea that God had that we would be caretakers of the world And it turns out that we are not only that, but we are cultivators of the kingdom of God. And we hear it through the word this day. The way the disciples gathered and scarred and stunned to discover that that very scarred and broken Jesus was in their midst. Overjoyed to know that they were trying to be the church grown into the story of the earliest cultivators of the kingdom, the story of the apostles declaring their faith, risking their own livelihood to take care of each and every person in their community, because in sharing life, their faith grew stronger. We hear the word this morning, the letter to the new believers from those tried and true saying that their joy is not complete until we are all singing praises to the God who had the idea that we could be the bearers of the kingdom into the world. We hear the word this morning, recognizing our own part in the unfolding story of the good news that started with the rush of the Holy Spirit at the beginning of time, and ignited eternity through the God in flesh who we meet every time we go to that table, charging us through time and space to hold fast to the covenant promise of being the church until God's kingdom come, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. We praise you, most holy God, and thank you for the blessing that is ours in Jesus Christ, your Son, our risen Lord. In his life, he modeled love. By his death, he showed faithfulness. In his being raised from death to new life, Jesus demonstrates your power and victory over everything that might threaten to separate us from you. As we come to this table, we remember Christ's promise to be with us always. Loving God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, your people, and upon these gifts of bread and cup. As we offer our thanks to you, kindle compassion in our hearts. May we live the good news you give us, uniting in service to others and in faith with you. With the groaning of creation is turned to hymns of praise and all people gather in harmony around your table, we will sing our joy to you forever. Hear us, for we pray together today the prayer your Son taught us, saying, 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thanks for worshiping with us. For more information, visit us on the web at www.firstpresbyterian.org or send an email to info at firstpresbyterian.org. See you next week for another sermon from First Press.